So if you've got a gift and a talent, we've got a place for you at the tabernacle. Amen. And we need ministry areas and places to serve all over the place, opportunities to serve in ministry and worship and music. And so praise God. Uh, get involved, right? Praise God. I <clears throat> note today that uh, we're going to uh, be worshiping the Lord in the Word here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. I want to... Um, go there today and just lay foundation. You know, whenever you're in a ministry and there is certain things that we um, connect with, there, there are uh, things that we build upon, right? And uh, one of the things that we build upon here at the tabernacle is multi-generations. Multi-generations coming together and being blessed and so um, we try to connect generations together, not because it's a fad, not because it's a cool idea, not because it's a good idea, but because it's a God idea. Amen. And so um, <clears throat> we need to uh, train up our children in the way that they should go. Amen. And the things of God. <clears throat> There's other things that are, are important in life and I couldn't help, but whenever I walked out the room today, I'm kind of at a diagonal, and I see Daniel back there with a Dallas Cowboys shirt on, and just I almost fell out. <clears throat> uh, because anybody knows that Dallas Cowboys are of God. <clears throat> and they're going to beat Green Bay down today. <laughs> Glory to God. And you need to get other generations around the TV set and just tell them the goodness of God and how Dallas is. <laughs> All right, I'll get back to preaching now. Amen. But we, we have to have connections, right? And we have to not just, and I want to speak to you today. Some of the things that I will speak to you today is things that you've already heard, but I want to lay another layer on that. And then next Sunday, we're going to come and we're going to build on this more. Because I'm certain that this is the plan and the purpose of God <clears throat> for generations to come together. And so here in Luke chapter 1 verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and the power of the uh, Most High uh, shall overshadow you. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word today. I want to talk to you about these generations because Mary is uh, very young. The scriptures, when you study it out, she's somewhere between 13 and 16 years old. Elizabeth, the Bible calls her well stricken in years. It would nearly suggest that she's beyond the time of bearing because it says with God, with Mary or Elizabeth, it is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And 
so it would suggest to us that she is very late in her years of coming up to have a child. Uh, But we see that Elizabeth is well stricken in years. Mary is 13 to 16 years old, but they are related. They're both pregnant at the same time. And one of them, Mary, didn't do anything to get pregnant. Right? Uh, She just has, uh, the only problem she has is explaining this to her parents. That uh, I was in my room praying and an angel came and said that I'm going to have a child. And and I'm sure it took some explaining. Huh? I'm sure that the Holy Spirit had to come and confirm to her parents the same thing. Come on. And then we have Mary that didn't work at all. She just comes up pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then we have Elizabeth who is working hard to get pregnant, but nothing's happening. And you have to be careful not to allow division to come between generations because what one has worked hard for comes easy to another. We have two generations that are pregnant at the same time and one generation has been trying for a long time and then there comes this other generation that seems like they do nothing and they just get it. Amen. They haven't fasted. They haven't prayed all night. They haven't pushed. They haven't plowed. They haven't done anything, but now they just get it right? And Mary was the one that everyone was talking about. She got uh, all the press attention. She was the one that everyone was looking to talk to and get the information from. But you see what, what we have to understand was that even though all the attention was upon Mary, that there was an elder lady by the name of Elizabeth who six months ahead of time had conceived and in her old age, she was going to bring bring forth a child herself and that she was now running six months ahead of this younger girl by the name of Mary. And God talks to Mary and tells her that you need to connect with Elizabeth. Why does she need to connect with Elizabeth? Because nobody in her peer group, no one in her age, no one in her generation is going to understand what she's going through. There's no one else 13, 16 years old in her peer group that understands what it is to have a baby. They don't understand what it is to have a child and she has to connect herself with another generation that will understand what she's going through. Isn't it a good thing whenever you are going through life when you can talk to somebody that's already been through what you're going through? It's a good thing whenever I can see Elizabeth and a Mary connecting and, and Elizabeth begins to sit down and Mary starts talking to her and, and starts telling her, I, I don't know what's going on. I think I'm losing my mind. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning wanting pickles and ice cream. And Elizabeth can say, it's all right, baby girl. I was there six months ago. It's going to be all right. It's part of the plan. It's going to work out all right. Huh? 
Isn't it good whenever you can, somebody can comfort you and tell you, yes, it may be a difficult place. It may be a different place, but it's going to be all right. I've already walked through that situation and God's got your back. It's going to be all right. Just hold on right there. Amen. And God told Mary, you need to connect with Elizabeth because no one in your generation is going to be able to relate to you. You can't just connect with anyone. You've got to connect with someone that is ahead of you. And not only someone who is ahead of you, but you've got to connect with someone who's got inside of them what's going on on the inside of you. This is the power of connection. This is the power of generational blessing. When we understand this today, we can get a lot further ahead in life without having to make the same mistakes that others have made. Amen. You see, I did this as a child. I, I did this as a child and didn't even know what I was doing. Have you ever done things and didn't know what you were doing? But as a child, my parents are here today and can verify it. But whenever we would have company over and people, men of women of God would come and minister at church, I wasn't, you wouldn't find me playing with the rest of the kids. You would find me in the middle of the discussion. You wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking. I would just be setting off to the side somewhere and I would listen to the men and the women of God as they would begin to speak the truths of the Lord, how they would re- release the prophetic word and how that the anointing of the Lord would, they would tell their stories and it would, and something would reside in me as a child, not even knowing at that moment that I was called to ministry, but something inside of me would, would connect with what they were saying. And so I come to understand that when you connect with another generation, you, you begin to get some things that, that you won't get on your own. Mary was a younger generation walking into the presence of a previous generation. And the Bible says that she saluted Elizabeth. She honored her. She greeted her. There's something about honor and respect that releases blessing. Huh? When you honor and respect people and in, in, in people not in, 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 if it is an age difference or if it is people in leadership or people in authority, let me just say it this way. You won't never receive from someone you don't respect. Huh? I happen to be the leader of this house, so I'll just use me as an example. You can't be uh, speaking bad about me and expect to receive from the gift in me. It doesn't work. It won't happen. Huh? And, and people say, well, I just don't believe in that healing. I just don't believe in that message. I don't believe it, whatever, Benny Hinn or whatever. If you don't believe in it, if you don't respect it, then you won't never have to worry about getting healed. Amen. If you don't respect the gift and the anointing. Now, we don't worship men, but we celebrate the gift. Huh? Come on. And so we honor and respect the gift. And I'm telling you today that not just in the church, but in our nation as a whole, somewhere along the way, we have failed to learn how to honor and respect another generation. And it'll take you a long ways if this generation would just learn how to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, again. 
Amen. And honor and respect that generation that is going on before us. Amen. Ahead of us and just give them the honor and respect that they are due and they'll become a blessing. It is a blessing to them. But guess what? It also is a blessing to you. Amen. That boomerang will come back into your life and you will, you will begin to see the goodness of God in your life. When Elijah, Elijah, Elisha honored Elijah, he received a double portion. Why is this generation being attacked so young? It's because that when we honor the previous generation, we will do double what the previous generation did. Why? Because we will have the double anointing. Elijah, Elisha had the anointing that God placed upon him, but he also was carrying the anointing of Elijah upon him so that he come to understand that I'm able to do twice the miracles of my predecessor did. I am able to do more. Why? Because Elijah now had that double portion anointing upon his life. Elijah was living in a different season and we can't get confused and upset because generations do church differently. Amen. Because they're different anointings for different seasons. And so if we get caught up in trying, I can take you to churches that has got messed up trying to worship God in another generation's type of worship. And because of that, they have nothing left. Do you realize there's over 1,200 churches a month closing in America? 1,200 churches a month are closing in America. Why? Because they're trying to live on yesterday's anointing. They're trying to live and trying to put people in a box that says, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it like Elijah. But we're not living in Elijah's season. We're living in Elisha's season. Amen. And so we don't disband. We don't do away with what Elijah did. We build upon what Elijah did. Amen. And what became their ceiling becomes our platform. Amen. And we begin to stand firmly upon that that they built upon, that that they established, and we honor and we respect them for what they were able to accomplish so that we can stand here. I tell you today, and I've told you over and over, but I don't come to this pulpit every Wednesday, every Sunday. I do not come alone, but I come with generations behind me. My voice is not just my voice, but but I come with generational voices in my life. Why? Because generations believed in me, poured into me. And as a result, I am where I am today. This is my platform, not because I'm all of that in a bag of chips, but because other generations believed in me and poured into my life. And so now I come with authority and boldness and declare the goodness of God from this platform because other generations poured into my life. Amen. Elijah did it different than Elisha did it because he was in a different season. Elijah, you didn't mess with Elijah because if you did, he had called fire down and burn you up. Amen. 
He was powerful. He would split the waters. He, he, he had, he had power with God and he would call fire down. He would, he would split the waters. But Elijah, Elijah, when Elisha, when he came, he picked up where Elijah stopped at. And it was at the waters. He split the waters. But after he split the waters, he began to heal the waters. Amen. And everywhere that Elisha went, he, he brought healing. He brought healing to the waters. He brought healing to the people. He brought healing wherever he went because he wasn't there to war he was there to heal amen and when you're called to bring order to some things sometimes you can cause more enemies than you want to but the reality of it is is there's got to be a generation that fights the fight so that another generation can enjoy the blessing and if we're not careful, we, we will get messed up because, we, as I said, whenever Elizabeth, she was working hard for this thing, she was believing God for it, she was doing everything she knew to do, and here comes this little whippersnapper. This little green behind the ears comes up in there and gets easily what she's labored for, worked hard for, and tried to get all of her life. But let me just stop to say, isn't that the reason we work so hard in the first place? That we're not just here for ourselves, but we're trying to prepare the way for another generation. That we are trying to help another people that are coming behind us, that they will be able to receive without having to fight the fight and slay the giants and tear down strongholds and they can just come into that place step into that place and receive the glory of God the goodness of God the healing of God the power of God the hope of God will be revealed in their life without the struggle that we had to go through amen and so David he, he's a prime example of this David he was a fighter Right? He was a fighter. He would fight you. He wasn't like the us this day in this generation. I've told you before, I don't know what's happened to the fight. I'm glad some of the fight's gone. Because how many know the old church, they'd fight you over how long your hair was. And they'd fight you if you had long sleeves or short sleeves. Huh? And they'd fight you if you, if you went to the movies. They'd fight you over everything. I'm glad some of the fight's gone. Come on, somebody. But we still need some kind of fight. We've gone from one side of the pendulum where we had fight each other until now we won't fight for nothing. Huh? Our forefathers went to, went to war over a tea beverage or a breakfast beverage, tea. And we're letting the enemy throw us around and beat us around, amen, and even in the political system and in government and, and in, a, in our society that is around us, we are, we, without, we are mute and we are silent, saying nothing. But there's got to be a David generation that will rise up and say, I'm willing to fight this thing so that the kingdom of God can be established. I'm willing to rise up and do the fighting. And so David would rise up and he would fight 
the lion and the bear. He would fight Saul. He would, he would fight the giant so that Solomon could come and build the temple of God. And I'm thankful today for those who have gone on before me. Amen. Because you see, the church used to be on the other side of the tracks. You didn't used to have a building like this on this side of town where you could worship in particularly in the charismatic setting and worship. Amen. But I'm thankful for there to be some fighters. I'm thankful that there's some Davids that were able to fight the fight and say, we'll war for you. We'll fight for you so that you can have a beautiful place like this on this side of town to worship and bless the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to honor and respect those who have fought the fight, paid the price so we can come into the house of the Lord and worship him in spirit and truth and in comfort. Now Solomon finds himself in a place David fought for. He was rich beyond measure. And the Bible said that there were, that, that God had given them rest on every side. David was such a worshiper and a warrior that no one would dare rise up against David because they knew all David had to do is get his hands on a slingshot and he would come out and he would destroy a whole army. Amen. They knew that he was a worshiper and whenever he worshiped, God began to move in his life. And so you didn't want to fool with a fighter and a worshiper like David, because whenever you, you think that you're going to get one over on David, you're going to slip behind him and burn his city to the ground. But he's not going to lay down and die. He's not going to cry himself to sleep. He's going to pray to God and God's going to say, pursue, overtake and recover all. And whenever he rises up, he's going to take Zion. He's going to take Jerusalem. He's going to take the land of the Philistines. He will drive them out because God has put an anointing upon his life to clear the way so that Solomon's generation can rise and see the glory of the Lord fall upon the house of God. I want to tell you today that the fight has been fought and we don't need to disband we don't need to let disregard or let down a previous generation that has paved the way for us, amen, and fought the fight, but let us be the ones that build the tabernacle of God. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about we are the temple of the Holy Spirit where that his spirit will come, his glory will invade us where we can't stand any longer, but only God in his presence and his goodness is revealed in our lives. Mary, the young generation walking into the presence of a previous generation, salutes, honors, respects, greets. Huh? That means whenever a previous generation comes and says, how are you doing? It ain't, mm. Huh? honor and respecting them. Amen. You remember them kids that disrespected Elijah? Called him bald head. Wasn't bald headed. It's an English word that means 
white-headed. That's the reason we call it bald-headed eagles. It's white-headed. What they were saying, they were disrespecting him and saying, you're old, why don't you die? Get out of the way. But what they didn't know is he might be white-headed, but he still had some fire. He still had some power they didn't know about. And he called the bears out and ate them jokers up. We need to honor and respect a previous generation. They may not be able to run as fast as we can, but they still got some power. They still know how to pray. They still know how to pull on the heavenlies and bring the presence of God into a place. And we need them in this generation. I said, we need them in this generation. Mary is the younger. She comes and she salutes. The purpose of what is in Elizabeth is to make way for what's in Mary. But the thing that is in Mary, Elizabeth, won't leap until it's saluted by Mary. Now watch this. They didn't have, they didn't have pregnancy tests back then. They didn't have ultrasounds. I mean, there ain't nothing left to the amazement. You can tell how big their nose is going to be. Huh? If they got hair or not. <laughs> Know what size they are, right? Come on. There ain't much left to the amazement anymore. It's, what is it now, 4D? And, and you can see if they're going to be pudged nose or not have a nose. You can look at all that stuff anymore. But they didn't have that when Elizabeth was coming along, right? Now, this, this, you can do with this what you want to. This is just Matthew's thought right here. But she is, she is six months pregnant. And some theologians say that she never felt the baby move. It could have been that she didn't even know that she was pregnant. Maybe they, they, that, 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 that they just thought she had, maybe Zachariah had been feeding her real good. Huh? Are you walking with me? And, and now it comes to a time whenever she is six months pregnant, she's getting a little big, got that little bump going on, but she don't have this ultrasound. She don't have pregnancy tests. She don't know all of these things, but now she, she don't, she's not knowing for sure. Some theologians said she never felt the baby move. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but what I do know is it seemed like she got awful excited when it did leap. Come on, somebody. Amen. And the Bible said that whenever Mary went in and saluted Elizabeth, that that which was in Elizabeth began to leap. It began to kick. Amen. It began to move. And I just want to stop right here and say today that we've got Elizabeth generation that has yet to bring forth everything that God has ordained for you. And I want to say as pastor that we need this Elizabeth generation. We need you in the house of God. We need you to fulfill your destiny. We need you to fulfill your purpose. We need you not to give up and on well doing. And I know that it's been some time since that you felt the baby leap on the inside and it's easy for the enemy to tell you that it won't never happen just give up on it it's too late now but God called upon Elizabeth in her latter years to bring forth something supernatural and I say to you today that there's still something great on the inside of you there's still purpose on the inside of you there's still an anointing that's yet to be unleashed
least and we need it in this generation so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do. So don't allow the devil to tell you your time has passed. It's you're too late. You're too old. The devil is a liar. God can use you for great things. The purpose of what was in Elizabeth was to make way for what was in Mary. But the thing that was in Elizabeth won't leap until it is saluted by Mary. So what's in Mary can't bring life to what's in Elizabeth. So what's in Elizabeth can prepare the way for what is in Mary. And so you see how these generations are working together. If, if Mary does not salute Elizabeth, then what is in Elizabeth will lay dormant. But if Elizabeth does, if that which is in Elizabeth is not given life to, then there will be no way prepared for what is in Mary. And so the enemy keeps us all messed up until he wants us to have silo church. That's what I call it. We have children's church and then we have students church and then we have big church. And we all silos and there's no connection. There's no connectivity right? And as a result, what's in Elizabeth is not being, life is not being given to it. And what is in Mary, another generation that is coming, they don't know their purpose and their call because no one has ever spoken to their life. Huh? And when generation, but when generations come together, amen, one, one, what we see is the fulfillment of the whole thing. We see the kingdom of God being established. And there, there is Elizabeth in this generation, amen, that are pregnant and have yet to give forth. But we need to realize, you say, how do you, how do you wake it up? How do you come alive? You find you a Mary to pour into. Amen. Discipleship is all but dead in the church. And the reason is choices. Amen. Used to be, if, if, if you, could, you could discipline somebody, not to, to be mean to them, but to bring structure and order to their life. Huh? You used to be able to do that in the church. If, 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 if I'll use Pastor Rich, because I know he won't get mad at me, but if Pastor Rich is, is singing and, and he does something and, and that's out of order, and I tell him, I'm, I talk with him in, in private and speak to him, and I say, look, you're going to sit down for six months. You're going to be under discipleship. You're going to be under sound teaching. We're going to help you and mentor you, and we're going to get you over this thing. And then you can go back to singing. You used to be able to do that. But today you can't do that because of choices. If I do that today in people's lives, they don't want to be discipled. Then Rich says, well, pastor just don't see my gift. And, and this church over here, they want me. Amen. And all you've done is you've got you somewhere to do your thing, but you still took your ugly with you. Amen. You still took your mess with you. So you haven't grown beyond that. You haven't discipled. You haven't developed. You just got you another place, right? And so a lot of folks don't want that, but there's some, there's some Marys in the house. 
There's some people that say, I'm looking for me and Elizabeth. I'm looking for somebody in another generation that can understand where I'm at and speak into my life so that I can, I can develop because I'm not just happy using my gift because I want my character to be developed. I want my, my character to be that, that God can be blessed and he can be honored with the gift that he has given me. And so we, we, we understand that today. You can remember when you, uh, when you were in the time in your life, whenever you could not see your way out, but somebody would speak into your life and give you purpose and give you hope. What we've got to do is pour into Mary's, a younger generation. And there's something about pouring into another generation that causes something to be stirred inside of you. Amen. Whenever you are able to speak into other people's lives, that thing just reciprocates and it begins to move in your life. It begins to speak to you. It begins to speak to your purpose. It begins to speak to life that is inside of you. And you see, this younger generation needs somebody to pour into them. Amen. There's Marys that need to to give honor, but there's Elizabeths that need to pour into another generation because they can prepare the way for what God has placed on the inside of you. When you find an Elizabeth that will speak into your life, you can receive in 30 minutes of impartation what it will take you 30 years of teaching to learn. Did you hear me? I said, whenever you can find you another generation that will speak into your life, you can learn in 30 minutes of impartation what it would take you 30 years to learn. That's the reason why that when people write books, I read their books because I can learn from them, Brian, and don't have to make the same mistakes they made. If I can buy a person's life for $20, be sure enough, I'll do it. Just pastoring a little bit here. Amen. If I can find somebody that'll speak into my life, be sure enough, I'll sit down and listen to them. So I don't have to make the same pitfalls and mistakes because how many know most of your time is wasted trying to get out of a mess? And so if I can learn how to avoid the mess, it's going to put me further down the road. Come on. Then it took another generation. What took another generation their whole life to accomplish now because of their wisdom being imparted into another generation that says you don't want to go down that road. Let me tell you how that'll end up. Now we can go bypass those mistakes, bypass those failures, and we can accelerate in our generation to go further than we ever expected to go. Amen. This is not a good idea. This is a God idea. His purpose and his plan for this generation, this move of God in these last days is for generations to come together. And when there's a disconnect in a generation, it'll disrupt the flow of God. Elijah and Elisha had a flow, right? 
And God plans for every generation to have double the next, the previous generation. Elijah and Elisha. But Gehazi comes along and says, I don't want it. Huh? And the flow is broken. What we have to understand is that if we're going to do what God has called us to do, everything that God has called us to do will not happen in our generation. But I'm not doing this just for myself. I'm doing this for another generation that's coming up. Verse 26, and Mary, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. That's important to me because she didn't just go into her presence rich and, and talk with her, get what she wanted and then leave. But she said, there's something in you I need. And she remained with Elizabeth for three months. She stayed as long as she could because Elizabeth is six months pregnant and now, now she's full term and, and she and Mary has to go back so Elizabeth can have this baby. But she connects with her as long as she possibly can so she can receive from her everything that she can. Huh? And then she would go back to her house, her place. Now, Elizabeth's full time had come for her to be delivered and she brought forth her son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard to how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. And so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and they would call, have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, no. No, he shall be called John. Amen. He shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. You got to watch people putting labels on you because if you're not careful, everybody wants to call you junior. Huh? Everyone wants to call you junior. They want to call you, you know, Zach junior. But the mama and the daddy had already talked and said his name should be John. We know the story how that Zacharias kind of laughed at the promise of God and, and his, he lost his voice. He couldn't speak. His tongue was tied uh, for this period of time. And we know that in another scripture, it indicates that he is also deaf. So a deaf and a mute spirit has come upon him. And it's interesting to me because this, this group of people would come to the mom and asked the mama, said, uh, what are we going to call him? We're going to call him Zach Jr. And she said, no, his name shall be John. And then they didn't like that answer. So like any good church folk, they went to try to find someone who would agree with her. And they went to Zachariah and said, we know you can't talk, but could you write it down? What, what we're going to call him Zach Jr.? And, and he got him a tablet. And even though he could not talk, he could still write. And he said, his name shall be called John. Amen. John. 
Why? Because there is an understanding that what God had done was supernatural. What God had done that this was not going to be Zach Jr. But there was a call and a mandate upon this child's life that was going to be different than anybody else in the family. So we couldn't name him after uncle. We couldn't name him after grandpa. We couldn't name him even after his daddy. Why? Because he was not going to do what all of them had done. There was an anointing and a call upon his life that he was going to be a trailblazer. He was going to be like nobody else had ever been in his family. He was going to go out there and eat locusts and wild honey. He wasn't going to go and get it from the store. He was going to go out there and pull it out of a tree. How many know when you get wild honey, you got to fight some bees. He was a bad joker. He was bad because he had a call on his life to do something that nobody else in his family had ever done. He was going to be a radical somebody because he was a trailblazer. He was somebody that was going to prepare the way for somebody else. He wasn't in it all about himself, but he said all of my life, I've had a call and a mandate upon me to prepare the way for somebody Somebody that is coming. I know it might be easier to go by the sea, but our God hasn't called me to go by the sea. I know it may be easier to call and go by the way of the road, but God hasn't called me for ease and comfort. I can hear him say he's called me John. In the Greek, the word John means that it means graced by God. He said, I'm graced by God for this season of my life. I'm graced by God to do the work that he's called me to do and I'm not looking for an easy way. I'm looking to prepare the way. I'm preparing the way for one whose shoes I'm unable to unloose. I'm preparing the way for one that I will baptize you with water but one that's coming after me is going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with some fire. Amen. He said, look here. I'm not looking for an easy way. I'm going to be a trailblazer. I'm going to go where no one else else is gone. I'm going to do what no one else has done. You can't be trapped into junior when God has called you to be a trailblazer, when he's called you to bring a nation together, when he's called you to bring generations together. Don't let them put that label on you. God has anointed you for a task for such a time as this. And if you will rise up and say, I'm not going to bow down, I'm not going to give in, but God has given me a mandate. And the mandate isn't to find the easy path. It's to create a path. Glory to God. God has anointed us in this generation to prepare the way for the glory of God to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So they made a sign and his father said on the tablet, his name shall be called John graced by God. <laughs> I didn't know anything about grace yet. Huh? But the devil was working to try to change his name before he ever got in his place because he knew how powerful, amazing grace was going to be. 
So the woman preparing the place, preparing the way, had to fight, had to war, had to battle, had to struggle. But he fought through it. He fought alone. He was on the aisles. He was on places where he wasn't one of those people that had to have somebody patting him on the back all the time. He wasn't one of those people that had to have somebody affirming him all the time. He was out there fighting by himself, eating locusts and wild honey. He is bad. He is my kind of man. And he said, I'm just here for one purpose, and that is to prepare the way for the one who's coming. This thing isn't about me. It isn't about what I want, what I think. It's about preparing the way for grace to come into the earth. (laughs) Can I tell you today that this church isn't here? Hear me, hear me. This church isn't here for who is here. This church is here for who isn't here. Amen. That doesn't mean we that are here aren't welcome. It means that we're here. Now let's reach those who are not here so they can come in and he can hear the message of grace and of hope. (laughs) What I love about this is this. The message of grace was so powerful that whenever Zechariah wrote down the name, the message of grace was so powerful that it loosed the mute and the deaf spirit off of Zechariah. There are some people that are bound that need to hear the message of grace. There's some people whose voice has been silenced by drug addiction, by perversion, huh? By sin that don't have voice anymore because their reputation has has been, it's, it's gone. There's nothing. But how wonderful it is for grace to show up and say, I'm preparing the way. I'm gonna give you your voice back. I'm going to give you your voice back. I'm going to give you your promise back. I'm going to give you your hope back to where you can trust, be trusted and you can do something of significance in the kingdom. I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again today, the greatest and the most wealthy place in the world is not Fort Knox. The most wealthy place in the world is in the cemeteries that lie around us of people that take unfulfilled power, potential, and purpose to the grave and never see it fulfilled. And I want us to fulfill purpose. I want us to fulfill destiny. I want us to see the kingdom of God in full-blown power and authority in the earth and I want to see some people get their voice back huh I want some people that that felt like that you know what like Zechariah he laughed he mocked he 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 
gotten where he had got because he wasn't obedient. He laughed at the promise of God, but God's grace gave him back what he mocked and caused him to be a part, a vital part of what God was doing in the earth. I want to say to you today that God's grace is enough. The Bible said they all marveled and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, praising God. Hallelujah. I don't know. Uh, Rob, if you could just come and play something on the keys, maybe just, I won't be long. But I wonder how many people today feel like Zachariah. How many know that had to be the longest 90 month or nine months of his life? Not being able to give voice to something that was he was so passionate and wanted to see come to pass. I wonder how many here today feel like maybe Zechariah, you felt <laughs> the excitement that came whenever he said his name should be John and he wrote it down. It was kind of like signature. You know, whenever an artist paints a picture, uh, he can paint it and... It can look beautiful to the eye. But they tell me that real artists don't ever sign the picture until it is perfect. And whenever they sign it, it means I put my approval upon it. And I could go get a picture that a, a, a famous artist has painted and it can look beautiful and it can be gorgeous, but it has no value unless his signature has been placed on the bottom of it. John put that, or Zechariah put down John. It was his signature. He was saying, this is law. This is the way it's going to be. And I want to say to somebody today that God is wanting to put his name on you. You may be in your imperfections as we all are. You may be in your flaws as we all are. We're all in a process. I said we're all in a process. But he wants to put his signature on us. He wants to put his approval upon us. Zachariah may have thought he done messed up and it would never turn in his life and he would be deaf and mute the rest of his life. But whenever he wrote that down, he said, I'm putting my name on it. I'm going to seal this thing. This is the way it's going to be. I'm looking for some people today ready to sell out. I'm looking for some people today to take, if you will, the spiritual pen and say, I'm not turning back. And just signing your name to the thing and saying, this is the way it's going to be. And I believe when we do, there's going to be a release in the spirit. There's going to be a release in our lives. There's going to be a release in the promise of God. And we'll see his goodness minister to us, to our lives and to our families. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I just want to make that commitment. I want to make that say, yes, God, maybe you're here and you've lost your voice spiritually speaking. And you say, I just want that voice back. I want the promise back. 
I want God to do his work in me today. Maybe you're here today and that thing that God has put in you, you haven't felt it in prayer in a long time. You haven't believed God for it. You used to be passionate about it. You used to be urgent about it, but you've lost that passion and that fervency. But you'd say, I just want to feel it again. I want to see it again. I want to experience it again. That word of God, God, I want it to come alive in me today. If that's you, I want you to come. Amen. As Rob sings today, plays today, I want you to come. And as you come, some of our elders and our prayer team and myself will come and agree with you. But we're going to believe God today for your life, for your voice to come back.
Blessed be your name. Come on, let's sing that together. Just put some strength in it here today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your blessing. We thank you today that you've called us John. God, we thank you that we're graced by you today. God, I just pray, God, for these that are praying in this congregation, help us to be a multi-generational church. God, that don't just uh, tolerate, but we celebrate. Celebrate not just our, our things that are alike, but celebrate our differences in each generation and say to God be the glory. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we believe you that have begun a good work in us. You're going to watch over it and you're going to hasten to perform it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.